Hey, what's going on, everyone? So welcome back to the show. I actually have uh, one of my good friends and actually one of my former um, business coaches on my call today. So happy to get the show going. We're actually supposed to do like a show quite a long time ago, but it was my fault for for scheduling errors and stuff of that sort. So I was just happy um, that I get to catch up with him today, too, because honestly, I probably haven't um, seen or heard from him in like maybe already like two years, maybe or maybe even more. I don't know. I feel like it's only been like a year. We, we stay in touch. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that uh, I kind of finished um, your coaching program. Mm -hmm. I mean, it must be at least three or four years at this point. Oh, at least, yeah, yeah. But so uh, but I still watch your stuff on Facebook, and I, I'm in your part. I'm a part of your group. Six uh, was is it six pack, six pack abs transformations? But I'm thinking of changing it to 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 something a little bit a little bit more elaborate. But that that's a that's another conversation. But I'm happy to um happy to have you on the show. I guess like let's start with uh I never knew your background of I know you I told you of how I got into fitness and all that stuff, but how did how did you end up getting into the industry out of the million and five things you could do these days? Yeah, so I started I got into the fitness industry um during college, kind of, kind of. Like I wasn't like necessarily the quarterback of the football team. I wasn't really athletic growing up. So I, and I always looked at those, you know it was really the movie montages that got me there. If we're like being really honest, you know, you like, you watch Rocky training and he's like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a boxer, but like, I do want to do dragon flags in like a cold Siberian barn. Like that's, I was like, that sounds crazy. So I was always like into like, how do I get better? How do I get stronger? And that there was like, you know, I had a, I had a couple of instances growing up where I was like, I don't feel like I'm strong enough. Someone broke into my house when I was 11, hiding under the bed with a steak knife, like, you know, being just generally super scared about stuff. And um, I think that that kind of spurred this for me. So I was always looking at these action heroes and movie stars who had big muscles and were, and were really strong and tough, you know? And I was like, man, if I have bigger muscles and enough neck tattoos, no one will ever mess with me anymore. But basically I got into fitness because um, I was getting in my degree in business at, at the university of Arizona. And this is a completely, uh, the story that doesn't really have any bearing on it, but I was always, I had, I was a transfer student. So my freshman year, I transferred, I transferred after my freshman year, I transferred into the university of Arizona, which meant that I was always like behind. So everywhere, like the sophomores would register for classes. I would have to wait till the freshman register for classes. And then I would be locked out of all the good sophomore classes. So if I wanted to get into any classes, I'd go sit in there and just like sit there and be like, Hey, can I be in your class now? So I always got the worst just most bullshit classes that I like possible. So what I would do instead of going to these classes and like learning about environmental psychology, and I was like, what does that have to do with business? I would just read T nation articles. So I was reading uh, muscle and fitness. I was reading T nation. I was reading uh, bodybuilding.com and I, and T nation was it for me. Like, I was like, this is like a good mix of science, big muscles, technique, all these cool things. And I was writing my own programs, writing programs for other people, going to the gym and doing these things. So during my, my senior year of college, when I was supposed to be like, you know, working on graduating, I read through 13 years of T nation archives. So like thousands of articles where I was like, this is, this is so dope. And I graduated in 2008. And at that point there was not a lot of um, jobs available that we were, we were in a bit of a job drought. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I'll just get a job as a personal trainer until I figure out what I want to do with my life. And from there, I was like, because I was like, I want to be in the gym. I want to work out. Um, and I also am really smart and good at training people now because I've been doing it for my friends for for a year. So I, 
makes a lot of sense. So I got in and I just started working in a big box gym, kind of a lot of like a lot of other people and just beating the shit out of my clients, you know, just being a horrible trainer. <laughs> so that was, that was like a, that was my intro to, to coaching. And that's how I kind of got into it. And that was in 2008. So it's been uh, almost decade and a half now. Yeah. I didn't know we graduated uh, around the same time. I graduated from university of California, Irvine in like 2009, okay. but I took forever to graduate. I was one of those like five and a half years to get their four year, four year undergraduate degree. Um, but yeah, I graduated in 2009 at the tail end of that whole mortgage collapse thing as well. And honestly, I never thought I would get into coaching either, although I was coaching all through college. I just did it hmm. because, uh, you know, the flexible hours were great. The pay was great too. Um, and I just, I, the only other option was work at in and out or like be a lot, work at the library or something. That's all that I was like, I knew of that I can get into. And I never even thought like, uh, I grew up never even thinking like personal training is like a possible job. career. Yeah. Because yeah. I was thought like, okay, like after college, I was definitely going to get into um, corporate work or the military, you know, mm. that's all that was, I was around me. Uh, so that's all, that's all I kind of really knew for the most part. And then my initial goal was to, um, get into industrial organizational psychology. So HR work, which I'm really happy. I didn't pursue <laughs> actually in retrospect, uh, but yeah, when I graduated, I'm like, um, especially with coaching a lot of corporate people through, uh, college, I was like, oh man, I don't know if that's the kind of lifestyle I want, you know, everyone's hates themselves. They're always tired. Back is always hurting. Yeah. And just, I just didn't want it personally. I just didn't want to be in front of a computer all day and in front of it, like in an enclosed, there was no remote work option back then either. So it was like yeah. an enclosed office. And I'm like, Oh, first of all, it's going to make it tough for me to get my eight to 10 hours of sleep a day and then get all my lifts in without feeling rushed and get all my <laughs> meals ready. So I'm like, ah, oh, I can't have that, but it, interesting perspective. And it seems like we also started coaching like actually full-time around the same time, because I started around 2009, actual like full-time as a career. Um, so that's really cool. I didn't know that, but how is, yeah. how do you feel? Um, well, how do you feel from your perspective, how the industry has evolved since when you first started, it's kind of changed like quite a bit. Yeah. Well, honestly, like we, we kind of like emerged into the space during the rise of, of CrossFit. And I feel like I went through a lot of different emotions around CrossFit. Like one of them, I was, I was always like, oh, CrossFit's amazing. Metabolic conditioning is the truth. Here's like, here's that's And that's why I would kick the shit out of my clients. I was stealing all my workouts from uh, CrossFit Invictus in California. And so I was just like, I was like, yeah, we're going to do some barbell snatches. What do you mean? You you're, you don't have overhead mobility, Mrs. Johnson, you know? And I just like, if like I put like plates down on the floor and just make clients push them to the gym. They're all embarrassed. You know, they want to lose 50 pounds. They don't care about this shit. They're like, can I just do the leg extensions? It's like, no compound movements. So like, I was a big fan of that early on. And then I started to see all of my clients coming back with injuries, you know, and then I kind of switched my, my role towards being, um, I did started doing a lot more mobility and stretching training and working with golfers. So I kind of, I, I found a great mentor. He taught me these, like the, like some, a bunch about the human body and mobility and stuff like that made me completely change my paradigm. And so I started getting all of these people who were doing CrossFit and would come to me because they broke themselves. So I, um, but I feel like CrossFit was, was game changing in the industry because it, it taught people that it's okay to lift heavy. It's okay to really push yourself. And then also like women should go hard too. Women don't need to use three pound weights. So now when I go to my gym, like just my neighborhood gym over here, 
I there's like eight squat racks and like six of them will have girls in them doing deadlifts and hip thrusts and barbell back squats. And I'm like, yes, ladies go off. And I think that has been one of the coolest things in the last decade that I've seen in the industry. Um, when I first started off, I would always talk to women and, and, and the, the pushback was always, and I know you, I know you know this, I don't want to get too big, right? I hear that all the time. And the crazy thing is now when I have conversations with dudes, dudes tell me that. I don't hear that from women anymore. I hear it from guys. I don't want to get too big. Well, guess what, Trevor? You probably won't. So you're going to be okay. Are you on anabolic steroids? No. Well, then you're probably going to be fine. I've been trying to get too big for 15 years. And guess what? It's not working out for me. So don't like take a breather. You're going to be all right. Like I was like, I was driving my car too much. I just turned into Jeff Gordon. She got mm -hmm. too good at driving, became a NASCAR driver accidentally. Shit, that takes way more energy and effort than you're going to put into something. You know? So I think that's like been some bit, some really big changes. I mean, everyone is a personal trainer on Instagram also. So there's a lot of like, well, I like that people are more invested in their own health and more knowledgeable about stuff. I think that a lot of times I don't have to teach people new things. I have to go and break bad, bad patterns and like, reverse faulty knowledge where they were like, well, I'd eat six times a day to keep my stroke, my metabolic furnace. And I'm like, honey, you know where that comes from? Metrics came out with that, that lie in 1993 because they wanted to sell three protein shakes per day. Mm -hmm. So six meals per day is a bullshit marketing tactic, or it's a genius marketing tactic, actually in the same vein as like De Beers being like, you know what you're, you you want to get engaged. You got to get them three months salary to buy a diamond ring. And they're like, be like, don't you have a shit ton of diamonds just back there? And they're like, no, these are really rare. You know, like it's just marketing. So, yeah, I, I, it, it's actually been a long time since I've had someone come in and say they didn't want to get like too muscular too fast. I just always have empathy and go like, oh, okay, cool. I'll write that down, you know, and make sure, make sure we don't have that happen. But yeah, I mean, for the <laughs> listeners, dude, I mean, you're, even if they're on quote unquote secret supplements, anyone you see on like a magazine cover has been doing it for at least 20 years. 15 years as like literally their lifestyle, you know, it's been like at least a top one or top two priority at any given time of their life, probably top one. And it takes like extreme amounts of effort. And usually, I mean, uh, especially at the pro level, you, you really do have to be doing it as a job. You know, you can't even have like a normal uh, nine to five type of job on the, on the side to be able to sure. like a get to that kind of size and leanness and then B, be able to maintain it like all year round, basically, even in the off season. So don't worry. It's like for your listeners. I mean, I wish it was the case. Trust me, that would be awesome. But I just, I don't know anyone that kind of blew up to like Ronnie Pullman's status accidentally, no. like overnight. So it's definitely not, not something to, to worry I, about. To that point though, I also think that like when someone's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing Bowflex or I've been doing the shake weight and I look like this. You're like, no, th they haven't. They built their body with standard issue, boring, basic movements over years and years and years of consistent effort. So when John, Dr. John Jackish, are you familiar with the X3 bar? I shouldn't even be talking yes. about him. Uh, it's kind of like, um, you got the bands on the sides and it's like a steel bar, right? Yeah. He wrote a book called weightlifting is a waste of time. And I think it's just in, inflammatory just so he, so people like me are like, that's not true on podcasts. But like when someone like that is like weightlifting is a waste of time buy my bar. I'm like, Bro, you didn't build that physique with a bar and a band, 15 minute workouts per day. You built it throwing heavy ass iron weights around and you did that for decades. Don't lie to me. Yeah. 
plus like probably some secret supplements on the side, not vitamin. And I'm not saying vitamin C other supplements, you know? Yeah. You're right. You're talking about uh, C- gum- CBD gummies. I get you. Yeah. Paul, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. That would definitely put on 20 pounds a year, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like, um, unfortunately that's also like, uh, you do see, like you mentioned a huge rise in like online, any health and wellness type of personalities. And typically, usually the ones Typically, the reality about health and fitness is it always takes it's it's somewhat like of a boring, very balanced message, which is hard to get to stand out, you know, because it requires work. It requires you to change your whole entire life around. Probably it requires like various aspects of belief system change. And I feel like, unfortunately, for the mass audience, of course, Nate, you know how to decipher from, you know, fake gurus and real gurus. But the ones that try to stand out online, it's always like. First of all, their their message is always in absolutes. Yes, you, know, you always have to do this, and this, and that's like an instant red flag in the sense that there are no absolutes for anyone, and it's literally impossible to give information online as free information for it to be super accurate without actually knowing who you're even talking to, because mm-hmm. the individual is so different as well. I don't know if you can shine any light on that. Yeah. And I think that there's like, there's a, there's a, a bit of nuance to that. Cause like, if you just go online and you're just talking to the world and you're like, you shouldn't eat fruits, like that's a huge red flag, you know, but if you're talking to a specific group of 60 to 65 year old postmenopausal women and you're, and you're saying, Hey, you shouldn't eat fruits until post pre and post workout or something like that then you can have a bit more of those absolutes because you're talking to a specific audience about their very specific pain points. So I talk to a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. My message is always focused around how do you eat in a way that has more energy, gives you more focus and helps you stay lean. Uh, So I'm not talking to people who want to build a shit ton of muscle. I'm not talking to people who want to drop 150 pounds of fat. Uh, It's it's only this specific individuals that I'm talking to. So when I say, you need to push your carbohydrates off until after your workout and into the PM. I get a lot of people who are like, you should eat carbohydrates all the time. You should, and then how are you going to build enough muscle? And I'm like, that's not who I'm talking to. So therefore, when I speak in that sort of absolute, it makes sense because of the the demographic. So if someone takes that out of context or is like, or just sees like a, the, like a 30 second blip that I pull from a podcast and throw on YouTube, I get a lot of, I get a lot of negative comments, especially YouTube because it's a cesspool. But, um, but I think that, for that market, for that demographic, and for the people that I'm trying to serve, it 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 does make sense. So I think that, yeah, keeping in mind that like absolutes don't work for everybody and what's going to work for you and me is not going to work for someone else, maybe who's got different degrees of of like stuff going on. You know, like the 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 fact that we can do an overhead military press doesn't mean that everyone should be doing military presses or the fact that I am not great at doing conventional deadlifts and they seem to hurt my back. Doesn't mean that everyone should stop doing conventional deadlifts, you know? And so keeping those things in mind and and just avoiding that, like that bias, I think this is like one of the things that's wrong with a lot of stuff today is just that the, there's, there's a, just this primal urge to be in a specific camp. I mean, I do CrossFit, I do keto, I'm vegan, you know, and, and we like, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, whatever it is like, and you put yourself in these camps and you align yourself with those values and anything that doesn't align with those values and beliefs that you hold is a threat to you. So when you're like, I'm in camp, do conventional deadlifts. And someone like me is like, you shouldn't probably, you don't need to do conventional deadlifts. Trap bar deadlifts are cool. Single leg deadlifts are great. And they're like, you should do conventional deadlifts. Don't you know? Like 
the idea, the ability to hold two beliefs in your mind simultaneously and like, and weigh and measure them both for your personal specific case is a tremendous skill. That's going to serve you in a lot of ways, even outside of fitness. So I think that like keeping that in mind and also having like trusted experts, like, you know, like you wrote, you wrote the anti-factory farm shopping guide, you know? So when I have questions about Eugene, where do I go to like source the best type of pork? How do I make sure when I go into the, the grocery store that I'm buying the right eggs and I'm reading the label correctly, I have that expert. I know you and I know I can post that in your group, you know, and, and get the right answer because you've done the legwork. You are, you're vetted, you have integrity and you're going to lead me the right way. You're not set, trying to sell me a bunch of liver pills and tell me that doing a two hour aerobic exercise is going to get me uh, like yoked up traps and a gigantic beard. That's a oh, lot man. of king. <laughs> not even the beard, not even the beard. Yeah. I feel like what you said there is super important in terms of context. And I feel like, uh, of course, you know, someone that's invested so much time like you, it's easy to to know when to not take things out of context. You're like, okay, that makes sense in the proper context when you already know that field. So like you, but from an average customer perspective, I feel that's another trap in the sense that they totally take info out of context. You know, it's like, oh, this guy said, do the carnivore diet. Okay, so I'll always do that. You know, it's like, sure, there might be a time and place for it, maybe, you know, uh, given the right person in the right circumstance. But it doesn't mean it's going to apply to you. And especially with like gut microbiome or the digestive system in general, it's like so variable from person to person, especially which stage of health they are in their digestion. I feel like that's really a tough spot to get information online for, you know, uh, Absolutely. Simply because oh, yeah. the science is so like all over the place regarding, regarding that is regarding that, that field as well. I mean, it's always it's fairly new. Changing. Yeah. It's always constantly changing and stuff of that sort. And and then I also feel like um, a lot of content creators like purposely slant information and then usually kind of throw in some supplement at the end, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, buy my program or stuff of that. They kind of create confusion through their marketing. And then like they sell like a program at the other end of like, hey, this is actually the solution to the confusion I created for you, you know? Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, you know, even, even my stuff, like the best, the things that perform the best online are usually the most controversial and lack the most nuance, you know, like, and I think I still stand by this. I think this is correct, but like people, I, one of my best performing reels of all time was when I just was talking about oat milk and I was talking about, don't drink oat milk. It's a fake health product. You don't need to be like milking your oats, adding a bunch of sugar and canola oil, and then saying it's healthy, but like even that it's, it's, it is context dependent. Like maybe you are, maybe you're replacing your chai tea, soy milk, triple pumps of vanilla, whatever else with like a tablespoon of oat milk. Great. That's a healthier option, right? It's still not like, I'm not saying that's like a, it's a health option, but it's better than where you were before. So like take, keeping that in mind. Cause like, I got comments that were like, yes, preach. And I got comments who were like, how, like, why would you say that? Like this and this, and like, here are all the studies about canola oil and stuff. And so I got a lot of stuff on both sides because it was a, it was a divisive post. And so when we reward content creators with, with views, likes, and comments based off of controversial opinions, what am I going to do? I want more views, likes, and comments. I'm going to post more controversial shit. And I think that like, like even, even right now, there's this like trend towards authenticity, right? There's this trend towards like, you gotta, you gotta like expose yourself and you gotta talk about, oh, I'm dealing with mental health issues and all this stuff. And all of them are these 
not, like not to take anything away from, from people's mental health, but I think that when we showcase those, it's still this extreme viewpoint, right? We don't post a normal sunset on Instagram. We don't say, Hey, I kind of had some ups and downs. I ended the day feeling pretty good. You don't post normal shit like that. Cause even though it's authentic, it can be real to us. It still doesn't really produce that, that like that lean in of like, Oh man, what are they going through? So it's the, it's the big feelings. It's the big emotions. The It's a long-term depression. It's the, it's the doing the dumb ass naked kettlebell swings greased up with tallow, you know, like that's what we're seeing and posting because it's extreme intense and it, and it gets eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also, I don't know your opinions about like, I also kind of feel with the rise of like reels and TikTok, it's hard to really give like honest, not honest, but just good advice online because everything has to be so quick and to the point, you know what I mean? And a lot of times you just really do have to elaborate on an idea because once again, there are no absolutes and it varies from so depending on which vantage point you're looking, you're looking at it from, you know, and well, I've kind podcasts of are dope. Yeah. I kind of struggled with that one personally. I don't know if you've struggled with that. And it's like, um, I don't know if you've struggled with that at all or that's why I post a lot of low carb game shows. Cause I can get right to the point in 60 seconds. I can ask someone a question about celery and then vanilla ice, and then I can give them a dollar and move on. Okay. I don't, well, know, if you see, I don't know if you see me like, that's like, that's like my favorite thing to put up on Instagram is me asking strangers questions about nutrition for a dollar. <laughs> got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Moving on. Well, I, you found a solution. I'm like, well, shit, that's actually kind of creative, you know, but well, it's I, like, but it's like, it's, it's not solving anyone's problems. And I think that a lot of times we think, oh, this reel is going to solve a lot of people's problems. And even when I like to talk about, there's something that I really like, cause I call it 30, 15, three, it's 30 minutes on an inclined treadmill of 15 with a, at a three speed. I think this is a, it's a tremendous solution to cardio for most people because it's low impact. It's going to give you, it's going to push you really hard. You can't, and you're going to be able to use it not only as like cardiovascular training, but also as recovery, because you're not really beating your central nervous system down with it. So I love this, but even in that, even in like in that reel where I'm explaining it and I have 57 seconds to do so I go, Hey, do you want to, do you want to burn fat fast? Do you want to get the best results possible? And like, that's even, you know, like it's a bit over the top, but like you have to grab that attention and then you have to be like, all right, do this, do this, do this, go ahead and do it three times a week, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then see ya, you know, like, and it's, it's so brief that again, it's not like, well, start off like this and we can warm up like this and then make sure you're doing it like this and then make sure your shoes are here and then make sure you're warmed and stretching like this afterwards, you know, like it's, it's the sexy 10% and we're leaving off 90% of the context. Yeah. Well, I should, I should also say like, if I, I'm talking about Instagram for a while, go follow me at low carb hustle, check it out. Yeah. And I'll decide have, if I'll I'm have, a piece of shit I'll, or not. Yeah. I'll have all of Nate's um, stuff or links in the description as well. If you guys want to check out his content, shameless what, plugs, what do you feel? What are some good, um, what are some good checklists of maybe an average consumer can go down to see if like maybe a coach they want to follow online is legitimate or want to hire online is legitimate. And it would be cool to talk to you also about like the pluses and minuses of online coaching versus in-person coaching. I know you've done both for a very long time uh, and that would be cool to cover as well. I think that, I think that what you said earlier, like if you look at them and all their stuff is absolutes, you have to do it like this. You have to do this exercise. That's a big red flag for me. And I'm not going to necessarily give that person the time of day. Um, I also want to see, do you walk the talk? There's a lot of people out there who, who know a lot about nutrition and yet don't seem to implement it in their own lives. So how, 
good could your tactics possibly be if you're not able to implement them? Like, I don't know if you saw this or, but like the, in, in like the, the Senate right now, um, they're doing, they're discussing like the, what is it? Uh, like the 2023 farm bill is going through right now. And so impacting Arizona, like America's nutrition, there's some of their food programs and the Senator leading this discussion is just had a stroke has been on record saying he's dealing with depression and is drinking a, like a, a regular strength Gatorade while he does, while he talks about the future of America's health. Like, right. Like you have to, you know, like do your actions match up to what you are trying to promote. I think that's a lot of people are like, Oh, your personal trainer doesn't have to be ripped or whatever else. Maybe they don't have to have a six pack and like appear on magazines, but they got to look like they work out. They got to look fit. They have to be healthy. Like this, that's like our, that's your calling card as a trainer. And I think also like once you've kind of done that due diligence and just looked at the bare minimums and seen like, does what they say match up with what they, with what they do? Um, are they providing nuance and like, and talking to people or talking to your specific case and being like, I've got the solution. And then can you reach out to other clients and people they've worked with in the past and get the, get the feedback from them? Because I think that at the end of the day, like that's going to be the biggest Mm -hmm. biggest thing. So if you can reach out to someone else and they, you want to talk to a coach, get them to set, like, have you con connect with a previous client? One of the best possible things you can do. And it's, it's one of the things that a lot of coaches won't do, which again, I think is going to eliminate them from being contention. And then also like, okay, so someone comes to, you're, you're looking to hire a coach, you know, maybe you want to put on some muscle or something like that. And they say, do X, Y, and Z reach out to someone you trust. So hit Eugene up, go into his group, post on the, and say like, Hey, I was reading this. I heard this. Someone told me this. What's like, what's, is that, is that factually accurate? And someone like that is going to give you a no BS, no frills, uh, like I idea of the accuracy of that statement, or at least give you some questions you can ask to further your understanding. So I think that having some, like, so people in your, in your circle that you trust and you like can provide you with accurate information is paramount. And then at that point, why don't you just hire Eugene, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, honestly, because, and we can touch on this too, it'd be good to get your opinion on it, but because like coaching is not like pretty much regulated by literally anyone, like anyone can become a coach without any certifications. At least that's how it was in California. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that's how it is in Arizona as well. Um, I feel like the only thing a consumer really does have to go off of is the person's testimonials, you know, because, and, and I'll say to a second, second thing also, if the person is in shape, you know, and then the third thing would be like their credentials and stuff of that sort, because really like, I feel like that's really the, the telltelling sign of like, does their stuff work for other people? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because sure. You can have like a really fit guy that's posting nothing but pictures of himself and saying he's like a worldwide coach and really good at this and that. And he's transformed so many people, but I'm like, well, where are the transformations then? Like why hide them if they're helping so many people? And if you're like a true influencer or whatever, like where's your work influencing? It's like, all, all I see is just pictures of you, you know, and stuff of that sort. Um, and I feel like that's really like the only thing you can go off of is like, does this person have testimonials? And if they've been doing this for this long, they should have quite a bit of them. You know, if their systems are able to be replicated in a predictable manner, I don't know what your experience is with, is with that because I've, I don't, I really, I kind of almost genuinely think like, degrees are slightly irrelevant for the most part, because I've met a few people for sure. They're geniuses with like PhDs and masters in certain fields, 
but many of them are kind of like not that great you know what i mean and they got their degree just by you know memorizing and doing some online master's program you know what i mean for like 10 15000 and and stuff of that sort i just don't feel it's like a credible thing you can go off of i really do feel like the only thing you can go off of is just literally like does this person produce success in others consistently i don't know your opinion on that and it's okay if it's different too i think that like you think you're 100% right about that and cuz I also think that academia lets people down in terms of what they're, what they're taught and how they're taught to coach it. Like, you know, I have, I've had a person on my, on my podcast who just graduated with his degree in nutrition and we had a lot of disagreements. You know, he has all this theoretical knowledge about what should and shouldn't work. And I'm like, eh, that doesn't perform in the real world. That's not how it goes. So, you know, just because someone has a degree, I don't think that makes them an expert. Um, and just that if someone has a, has a personal, like a, a personal, like, good physique doesn't make them a subject matter expert either. And I think that like, we, I saw this a lot when I was doing business coaching for personal trainers who wanted to bring their businesses online was that I'd have someone who come in and they were like, yeah, I had a baby. I got my body back and I'm ready to help other moms do the same thing. I'm like, like, hold up. Like you've only coached yourself. And now you expect other people to pay you thousands of dollars to give them your program. Like, you need, you need to like, you need to prove yourself more. And I think that's why a lot of people need to be in gyms for their first year. They need to go and work out with work with a bunch of people and test these methodologies they think are going to work that worked on them, mm -hmm. you know? And then like the worst, and like, I saw this literally with like three or four people in the, in that program was that they would get a, they would do their thing. They would get some like weight loss themselves. They would become a, a weight loss coach. They would sell three or four people into their program never really got to like to the point where they're like had a legit business. So they would stop doing that and they would start teaching business coaching to other weight loss coaches. And there are so many people doing that just at this low integrity, hmm. low authenticity, because it just seems like the, the, the lowest barrier to entry for making money. And so when like, I think that is one of the things that, that drags down the coaching industries. And I've had amazing business coaches myself. Dave Smith is an incredible, incredible human, incredible leader, mm -hmm. super high integrity guy. The guy who, you know, for who yeah. and I totally up. agree. Yeah. Yeah. But I've also worked with people who I'm like, do you even know what you're talking about? Like, like I, I feel, I felt sold. I felt like I was, there was no delivery. There was no backing to what they said was going to happen. So I've seen both sides and I've hired both coaches. So I like, I, I know what it feels like to get dragged through the mud a little bit and feel like, well, shit, I just got taken. It sucks. And it, and it, and it decreases your book, like your belief in things people say or share mm -hmm. or post, you know, I'm really skeptical now because I've been burned a few times. Yeah. And I think it's important for listeners to understand that, um, you know, it's not a regulated industry. Anyone can call themselves a personal trainer. Anyone can even call themselves a nutritionist. They might not be able to call themselves a registered dietitian, which is a reserved trademark for someone that actually has gone through, you know, two or three years of schooling in that area. But anyone, anyone can say you're a nutritionist. You just need, you know, your health insurance, which is like 100, 260 bucks a year, and then a CPR certification. And you're pretty much set to go. Or, you know, you could even get a nutrition certification from like NASM, which, which is a great institute overall. But I'm just, I'm just saying, um, it's not that difficult. If anyone looked up at it, they can probably do it in a week and become a certified nutritionist themselves, even without any prior knowledge in nutrition. That's what I'm saying. It's not like, because a lot of times people see certain certifications, they're like, oh, this person must have 
have gone to school for like four, six years to get that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not, not the case. And I have some of those certifications too. I'm not like above it. You know, I'm just saying sure. that's the reality of those. What those I think worse than that is health coaches, health coaches, a meaningless term and people who like do MLMs like Octavia or Isagenics oh, or whatever mm-hmm. else will call themselves health coaches. And then like try to walk you through eating their garbage, soy, seed oil laden foods and buying a bunch of supplements and doing like a, doing a detox and, and all that their qualifications are is they bought the upgraded package of those supplements. And I think that's just complete bullshit and where a lot of this distrust comes from and rightfully so. Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I'm curious, have you ever been confused by the labels in the grocery store? In Yevgeny's book, he demystifies the difference between caged, cage-free, free-range, and pasture-raised meats. He also covers how to avoid GMOs, source high-quality water, fish, supplements, and other related topics. It's a beautifully illustrated, non-technical read that comes with a comprehensive video series and other extended learning materials. Jump on Amazon and check out the book titled Anti-Factory Farm Shopping Guide by Evgeny Trefkin. Now let's dive back into the podcast. Yeah, and you also, I mean, rewinding back a little bit, quite a bit here, you mentioned, you know, how sick the the leader of that air, um, food bill that's passing, you know, and I totally feel like, okay, now, you know, you're looking at America at this point, nine out of 10 American adults are metabolically sick, you know? Nine out of 10 American adults, which is pretty crazy. And the number one reason for bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy in the US, which accounts for nearly 70% of all bankruptcies, is health issues, which is pretty startling. If you think nine out of 10 people are sick and 70% of bankruptcies are due to health issues, what's going to happen to America in 30, 40 years when this kind of health crisis really hits his heart, you know? And, um, and I feel like one of the problems for that, one of the problems of that is like our leadership is sick and sick people can't make healthy decisions or they wouldn't be sick themselves, obviously, you know, I mean, it's just common sense. And if you look a lot of the, um, I mean, you, for example, you want to learn how to die a premature age and live a poor quality life in the meantime is just live the way medical doctors and nurses live. And there you go. Uh, you, you'll have that exactly. I mean, you see, you know, they're eating poor food, they're, you know, overworking themselves like crazy while telling their clients not to wor- work that much, you know what I mean? Or decrease their stress and stuff of that sort. And I'm like, there is certain validity in what you said. It's like, you got to walk the walk too, you know, um, and stuff of that sort. So, uh, I just feel it's kind of like a systemic problem in the sense that we've been so far detached and pathology has been so normalized in our culture that it's 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 really tough to a find an actual genuine mentally and physically healthy human being and b know like what real health and wellness living looks like and i feel even studies these days are really tough to gauge at because it's like the human has the homo sapien has been so far detached from their natural form of life it's even tough to study them in their natural environment anymore so there, there's, really interesting. That, there's that obstacle as well. Um, I was just wondering what, what your take was since you have hired, you know, many coaches yourself over the years and what's your take on people that are like reluctant to hire coaches. They might still not be getting the results they want in any given field, but 
they just don't go, they just don't reach out, you know, and there's that aspect of like, like you said, you could hire the wrong one and waste a couple thousand dollars as well. And that kind of sucks. But I feel also those lessons help you get closer to the right ones too, at the end of the day. And you have to do that also. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even think like the right coach is going to get you from, from where you are right now to exactly where you want to be. I think the right coach will help you take several steps, but every time you spend money to further your understanding, you take a step at least. So I think there's like, you know, it's, you know, it might've, might've been a waste of time and money, but like, it didn't put me farther behind. It just put me slowly moving forward. So, um, but like, if you look at some of the greats, you know, like, you know, obviously Jordan was being, being, had a coach, like a basketball coach, but he still wanted to hire Tim Grover because he knew he wanted to get stronger so that he could, he could go up against that really physical Detroit Pistons team. You know, so he knew he had a, he had a weakness. He wasn't strong enough and big enough to avoid getting manhandled in the playoffs. So what did he do? He went out and hired the best person he could find to help him overcome those weaknesses. I am great at writing programming and doing nutrition, breaking down macros, teaching of the, uh, what I call the low carb backloading framework, million dollar body. Um, I lack some skills in business and that's why I hired Dave Smith originally. And that's why I've hired other eight marketing agencies in the past, because that was like, I needed coaches to help me go from where I was, which was stuck stagnant to doing better in, in those areas. On the flip side, I got a lot of people who are amazing. They're super smart. They're C-level executives. They're entrepreneurs. They're running big businesses, but their health is suffering. They need a coach there. And like, here's the thing is if I wanted to get really good at business, uh, like I could do that. If I wanted to just do it on my own and just read a bunch, consume a bunch of information and start putting it together by myself, I could do it. And here's the thing is that smart people are going to get results. So if you're smart and you have, you have drived to lose that weight, get that six pack, you're going to do it. And I think coaching, especially good coaching is the thing is like, well, you're going to do it in six years yourself, or you can tighten that process to six months by learning the most effective practices, the exact things you need to be doing and having someone be a guide on the side and walk you through the steps. Mm -hmm. And if you view it like that, then it's like this, it's this huge time savings, right? And I think a lot of people, especially the most successful, wealthy, fittest people I know, they like to pay with money, not time. Cause they know that money is a resource that is, that is, we can spend and get things and get things of value. Whereas time is a resource we spend and we never, we'll never be able to get that back. We'll never be able to make more time. We can always make more money. So I feel like if you value your time over money, and especially if you, if you don't have the health, the, the health that you want, the physical fitness that you want, then hire someone who's got all the characteristics that Eugene, you were talking about earlier. So you can just tighten that system, like tighten that time frame up, get the results faster and then move on. I think that's like that, like the, the greatest people, athletes in the world all have coaches. So I'm not better than Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I get a coach in an area that I need improvement in? Yeah. I think that's a really good saying. I never heard it said that way, but that, that's totally true. Um, and yeah, I mean, everyone that's made it to the top has mentors and actual coaches and have paid for programs and have paid for education quite a bit and stuff of that sort. They didn't, de they definitely didn't like do it all on their own out of nowhere. I feel like one of the biggest things a, a good coach can do too, is just bring in a new belief system into the equation because you 100%. can't solve, yeah, you can't solve a problem with the same belief system that led to the problem. And a lot of people get stuck in that cycle, you know? Like, Say that again, because that is, I think that's more important than a lot of tactics that we discuss. Yeah. And I think, I think this is Einstein's quote, you know, to be exact here, but 
uh, you can't solve a problem with the same belief system that led to the problem. You know, you need a someone else from outside that has tackled that problem themselves to kind of view it from a third person perspective and say, like, we need to change these things. And I feel um, I never got into business coaching, but just personal coaching. I feel like that's the that's the biggest obstacle people just don't get. And it keeps them in loops of wasting so much time. Uh, inevitably, even if they read a few books here and there, which most people don't, they just rely on like TikTok videos for basically all their all their programming, which is a terrible approach. They just don't get anywhere, you know, or they see like a little bit of change. And then, you know, you've been coaching for a long time. You reach out to them like a year, two years later. And it's like the same, same thing. Nothing has changed. You know, it's like one excuse or some other excuse came up or something of that sort. I, I had recently had this exact experience where I was harboring some beliefs that I think were keeping me from going out and really approaching and prospecting new clients. And so I hired a coach that was helping me walk through this and he was fantastic. Uh, and I was really hesitant about hiring like a mindset coach. So I was like, just tell me how to, what the best ad strategy is like, that'll, that'll solve it. But like you said, it, you can't solve problems from the same mindset that brought you there. So he gave me a very powerful framework. If you don't mind, I, I'll share with, mm -hmm. with yeah. listeners. So basically when you have these thoughts and for me, I'll just tell you like, like from a, like I've been through now, I've been, I've been coaching. I've been creating this program over the course of about seven years called the million dollar body method. I've got a podcast. I got a book, got an app. So I've been doing this a long time and I've done like, I'm probably on iteration 11 of it, but I just had a couple of things come up. Like, so I had, I had a client cancel. I had someone ask for their money back. Um, and I had a couple of people like not checking in, not doing what they were supposed to be doing, not hitting their like commitments and stuff like that. And I was like, man, am I a bad coach? Is this a bad program? Am I, am I screwing up? And so he gave me this framework to like work through those beliefs. And he said, okay, number one, is this true? Is it true that your program or your coach, your coaching skills are not good enough? And I was kind of like, maybe I'm not sure it, that could be true. And he goes, well, second question, is it a fact? Your program is not good enough. It's like, no, not a fact. I got all these people who've gotten results. Here are my testimonials. Here are my, here are my pictures. Here are the 60% of people who are, are getting results and are doing their commitments. He's like, okay, cool. Um, what would happen if you believed the opposite? What would happen if you believed the opposite? My coaching is extraordinary and my program is fantastic for getting people results. And for me, that was like, well, it would infuse me with more belief in the program. People are going to feel that from me. And I'm going to be able to present the information in a way that is more palatable rather than feeling like reticent and like that I'm bothering people when I'm helping deliver these like coaching conversations. And so just those three questions, is it true? Is it a fact? And what would happen if you believe the opposite can shift your mindset slightly in, in order to help you facilitate a new belief system. So whether that's about your business or whether that's about like, oh, I, I just have a sweet tooth. Everyone in my family is overweight. I've never been good at running. You know, I don't like exercise. Is that true? Maybe. Is it a fact? No, you, you like pickleball. You played pickleball last week and you had a great time. So it's not necessarily a fact that you don't like exercise. What would happen if you believe the opposite? I do like exercise. It would give you more energy towards going to the gym. It would help you have a better attitude. It would, it would build those endorphins. You'd start seeing progress over time. So asking yourself those three questions, when you find yourself bumping up, a, up against a, especially a, uh, like a black and white, like binary belief. I'm always like this. I never do this. I can never, 
I can never figure it out on my own. I can never eat healthy. I always fall off at in after three weeks. Okay. Ask those questions and see where that new belief can take you. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Have you, are you still working with this mindset coach? Um, we've, we just finished up like last week. Got it. Okay, cool. I, I like to take, like, I feel like everyone likes to like get you into a coaching program and then like have it exist in perpetuity. I always feel like I need six months afterwards to really digest the information, go back through those notes and implement all the pieces that, that I learned during the process. Well, what's your, uh, what are some challenges you run into when, when coaching like business owners and entrepreneurs, I know they probably travel a lot and sometimes business isn't going great, which makes it tough to really, you know, prioritize your mental and physical health as well sometimes and stuff of that sort. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that are like mindset things. I think there's a couple of things that are real tactical things. Number one, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs, 99.9% of the time will go, will skip the gym to sign a new contract, to go to a client meeting, to take a client call. They have poor boundaries around that because a lot of them base their identities around how much money they make. And they feel very successful when they make money and they feel very unsuccessful and down on themselves when they don't. And as a business owner, I wonder if you, if you, if you agree with that, because that is, that's how I, I feel a lot. So, so like it's a, it's a priorities and a boundaries thing. Secondly is these guys are all busy, right? A lot of the people I'm coaching are not necessarily like CEOs of fortune 500 companies. They're, they own businesses that have five to a hundred employees. So like in that space, they spin a lot of plates. None of them have really like the most amazing systems. So they do a lot of stuff themselves. So now it's a timing issue because a lot of people are like, oh, I need to get to, I'll get to the gym after work. And I'm like, when is after work for you? Cause sometimes you work until 11 PM. So you need like to go then. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go early. Cause if you don't, your day is out of control. So like mm -hmm. figuring out what, like, and that's another thing It's like, we talked about black and white, like ideas. When people are like, when should I work out? When's the best time of day to work out? Well, technically the science says that like, like, like at hour two after you wake up and then after like hour 11, after you wake up, your body and your central nervous system is most primed for an, an excellent workout. Who gives a shit if you can't make it? So I say, hey, go in the morning. That's the best time to work out. And some people are like, well, that technically is not true. I'm like, well, technically it is true for the people that I'm talking to because otherwise they're not going to get there. Mm -hmm. So I think that like keeping those, th those pieces in mind as well, like there are, there are tactics that are great for specific, specific niches and types of people and people in, in who want specific results. Um, I think additionally, a lot of travel, like you said, um, and while there's, you know, about 30% of my clients are traveling for work, uh, yeah, on planes and doing conferences and things like that. There's a lot of them who are just in their cars or at work or out at client lunches and out to dinners all the time. So they're not cooking for themselves at all. So coming up with strategies that they can eat on the road, they can, they can come up with and like have a great, uh, dinners where no matter where they go. So I've created a list, what I call like the, the guide to takeout. So at every restaurant, what do you order a steakhouse? What do you order at Mexican? What do you order at, uh, um, like an American style restaurant. What do you order a pizza place? What do you order all these different places so that when they go, they have something on their phone, they can reference and be like, here's, here are the two options that I have at this steakhouse. I had a client once who was, um, who was who owned a, bit, a roofing business here in Arizona. And he was like, I need more energy. I'm drinking five energy drinks a day. And I was like, are you, are you okay? Are you doing all right? And he's like, I don't have time to work out. I'm not going to, I drive around my truck 12 hours a day doing bids and quotes for people. So I'm going to eat out five times per week. I'm going to eat at a restaurant, at a like fast food place. He's like, what do you have for me? So I came up with like five different restaurants. One thing he can order at each one of those. And then in two months without working out at all, he lost 22 pounds. 
just because we had a, like a strategy and, and some helpful tips. And most trainers are not going to tell you, you should eat out five times per week. And obviously that wasn't ideal, but he wasn't going to do something different. Mm -hmm. So we got to meet him where they're at, figure out the solutions. So I think those are, those are some of the big things that I see of getting over like the, like have, having correct boundaries, treating your workout as an appointment with yourself as a, as a very important meeting with your best client. And then making sure that you have the, like the contingencies for all those situations that you're going to run into. I call them danger zones. Highway to the danger zones. Yes. That song sounds familiar, but I don't know where it's from. <laughs> really? Yeah, seriously. Kenny Loggins? Sounds super familiar. Bro, it's Top Gun. Oh, dude, that, come on. I was like, who knows how young when that movie came out? It's when did that movie come out? It's a classic. Out? When did that movie come out? 91? I, I was like six, man. I was still living. I was still living in Ukraine. <laughs> I didn't even oh, I'm sorry. have. I didn't have access to a TV until I was ten. Okay, it came out in '86, but you still should have seen it. Okay, I was like one, dude. It's like not even consciously aware I was like alive in this world yet. <laughs> Listen, I, I was born in '87, so I mean, I saw the movie, but it was so long ago. I mean, good movie, not a bad movie. I just it's a classic. I even... I'm I'm well. I feel like you have a you got some homework now. You got to go watch Top Gun soon and you gotta what then you gotta watch the new top gun maverick yeah i didn't i didn't catch that it looks pretty good my favorite tom cruise movie was a uh, minority report actually that's a great movie uh and mission impossible one was pretty good i didn't like the other ones too much but the first one was definitely definitely super awesome those movies are all very confusing but i would uh, 10 out of 10 would watch again i watch i watch all of them and i'm always like wait what's happening who's wearing a mask who's the bad guy really is it is it philip oh, that's right. i remember he seems like yeah, the bad mission guy impossible in every movie one, yeah <laughs> yeah no that that was that was pretty solid yeah you mentioned about like working out in the morning like i don't know what what you do right now but personally like i actually like working out in the morning simply because it's like i find you just finish it right away so no matter what goes on during the day it's like you got it out of the way anyways you know and it's done and i just find i also just don't have the energy to get good workouts in at night it's still pretty good energy midday, but definitely at night, it starts kind of going downhill. And also the gyms tend to be like super busy at night too, where in the really? morning it's fairly vacant. If you get there around like seven-ish, I usually get to the workout around seven or so. Um, what, what have you been doing for your layout these days? Um, just like recently, like I've, I've been waking up early and doing some like meditation and stuff at home. So, and then I get the kids up and out the door, then I go to work. So I haven't really been working out until like four o'clock. Hmm which is not ideal for me, but, um, I might, I might get back into the early morning workouts, but I, I was having a hard time getting enough sleep. If I was waking up like five 30 to get them in. Are you, are you still working out at home at your home gym? I, I, I have a home gym and I work out. There's a gym nearby. I like going to the gym too, because they have a lot more machines and fun stuff to play around with. And also just like, I feel like when I'm in my home gym, I can find, I can cram like a 30 minute workout into like an hour 15. I just, find stuff to do. I'm like, well, I should work on this thing in my garage. I need to change these light bulbs. You know, like I'm just like doing stuff around the house rather than just being mm -hmm. focused on the one thing. Gotcha. Well, what do you feel? Uh, how, how do you, you have one kid or two kids? I have two kids. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. What are some things you've kind of like implemented in your life to, to help you from not losing yourself while having kids? Because I see a lot of parents do that as well. And they, probably do it from like a good vantage point of, you know, wanting to take care of the kids more and spend time with them more or make more money so they can, their kids can have more and all that stuff. But then I feel they get into like really bad, like mental and physical health 
habits. And then they also then pass these habits down to their kids, which their kids end up doing because, you know, like 80% of what your kids learn is just basically by like observing you, not even mm-hmm. like what you directly tell them to do. It's I don't taught, know. Not taught. Yeah. I don't know what your take is, what your take is on that or what things you have found to work well for you over the years. Well, I like to let my kids catch me doing stuff. Like, like a, from a kind of like a parenting perspective, I like them to catch me working out. I like them to them to catch me reading. I like them to catch me meditating. I like them to catch me like being good to their mom and given like being like kind, kind to her and how I talk to her, you know, like I want them to see all those behaviors that I am demonstrating. So I feel like, you know, it, it holds me to a very high standard in the family. Cause I think everyone's always looking at you, you know? So that's, that's the number one thing is I need to be demonstrating those healthy habits in myself. Number two um, we, like my wife and I, we prioritize ourselves. Like the kids are great, but kids are resilient. Kids have, they, my, my kids are fine. They have so many toys. They've got so many things. And I think that a lot of times parents bend over backwards, driving their kids around to places, making sure they always have the newest and greatest things. But I want my kids to see that I, like my wife prioritizes herself. My kids like, Hey, can you like, like, why are, why is mom get to go and do her own thing this afternoon? I was like, cause mom needs a break from you assholes. Like take, take a breath. You know, so like I'm, I'll make her go out and she gets like an afternoon to herself. I'll watch the kids and then vice vice versa. So I want them to see what it looks like when we, when we have good, healthy boundaries and we're able to honor them with like, with the, with our actions and how we treat each other and ourselves. So, but I also think that like bringing kids along with you too, like I'm not going to entirely invest myself into kid world just because I've got kids but I'm going to bring them with me. And when I do my stuff, you know, so if I go to the gym, they can come with me. If I go on a trip, they can come with me. If they, if I'm going to like go surfing or something like that, or if I'm going to go to jujitsu, they can come sit and hang out and just see what's, see what's going on. They'll figure it out. They're going to have a good time there. Kids are super resilient and enjoy a lot of things. And I think that if we constantly are pandering to them and trying to like make sure that they're always have something to do and always are distracted, um, that sets them up for failure later in life. Cause then like the moment they don't have all of their nice things in front of them. They're like, what do I do? I'm so bored. Like, I don't know, sing a song over here. My daughter made up songs for 90 minutes last night, much to my dismay because I was trying to read, but <laughs> she's just in the backyard, just belting out fake songs, having a great time with no, with no, like, like, like a structured play or no toys and no tablet or anything like that. Just like living her life, enjoying, enjoying the hell out of it. So I think that giving kids the opportunity to be bored and figure stuff out on their own, I think is, is really important. And it also sets the precedent of your needs are not above my needs. And I think that a lot of parents have that flipped or at least, you know, don't, don't respect themselves enough to have those boundaries. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is in Western culture. It's like, you're, you're kind of raised almost to be ashamed of being like selfless, Mm -hmm. selfish, you know? Yeah. But like, I always tell people like, dude, if, if you don't get your needs met first in anything long-term, whether it's like a relationship or a career or whatever, you're just going to grow disgruntled towards that job or, or the people around you and stuff of that sort. And that always sets up like a negative cycle of just being bitter towards the person or holding resentment towards the person. It's like, oh, I wish I had more time for myself, but I got to take care of this person. And because this person, then you start reframing things, you know, and, and building more and more beliefs on it. It's like, because this person can't, take care of themselves because they're dumb or whatever, you know what I mean? And start building more stories that you start believing in and usually just ends up in like a negative kind of atmosphere and stuff of that sort. So it's kind of like sounds contradictory, but like you got to be selfish if you want things to last long-term. And of course, to do that, you have to be like clear about your core values first, right? 
in order to know like where to set um yeah in order to know where to set healthy boundaries which is like very important a lot of um americans don't do that these days what do you are are your kids in school already or my daughter's in preschool she'll be in kindergarten next year oh, i got it okay how do you feel about like um with raising kids today with electronics and all that stuff it's a uh, it's that's tricky cuz i felt like when i was when i when we were like we were not parents and we did like my wife was pregnant. We were, I was like, we shouldn't do screen time, no TV till they're three or something like that. But then you get there and you're like, damn, I just need a second. Like my mental health is suffering. So I put her in front of like a TV show and I get to go have 30 minutes myself. Like that's also important, you know, not having screen time is good, but also having, again, like prioritizing yourself is important because you can't pour from an empty glass. And if you're always like mm -hmm. waiting on them hand and foot, then you become disgruntled and you have like, have a little like negative emotions around that. Um, I think that like, there's a, they're a, they're a tool. I don't think they're necessarily good or bad. I like to limit them to less, less than an hour a day. Um, we're not, we don't, have, we don't like have the TV on all the time, not no TV on when we're eating that sort of, that sort of thing. Um, but I think that, you know, to not use them would also be limiting yourself to like not having all the tools in your tool belt. Yeah, I also feel it's probably like a little bit tough these days uh, in the sense that they might also just fall behind if they don't know how to use electronics too, you know? That's true. So there's... Um, one thing I think is interesting though, is like my when my daughter or, or my son play a tablet and they have something right here and they're like, they get this like automatic, they press and something happens. When I take that away from them, they have a much harder time. A lot of times it's like like fighting it, temper tantrums, that sort of thing. And their energy is a lot more manic and like, and um, they're more like just irritated, exacerbated, just like a little bit more like fierce with a tablet than when I have a TV and they have like some space and it's not like press. See, like they're just like chilling and watching TV. That's mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed, I think, which is, which is interesting. Do you, do you like go like here, space out and watch the Joe Rogan experience for two hours while I go do something? Yeah, I give them a, I give them a joint and I was like, Hey, just watch this. You'll be fine. <laughs> No, well, they're like get more out of his podcast than probably a lot of the entertainment because they're watching these days. Yeah. I mean, if I could get them to listen to like Joe Rogan and Peter Atia, that like, I would definitely do that. But right now we're, we're into PJ masks and Spidey. So yeah. stepping stones. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, are there any other topics you would like to, you would like to cover Nate? Not, not especially. Anything? I feel like this has been, this has been fun and like a different direction than I was necessarily anticipating. So I, I enjoyed it. Well, you did want to cover something regarding nutrition, correct? I just want to make sure we touch on that. I remember you're like something back carb loading or something like that, but I'm like, oh, I'm not familiar with that, but I'll happy to cover it. That's all right. We don't have to. It's just basically the like the methodology that I teach my entrepreneurs and my clients, which is called low carb backloading. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a simple framework, uh, you know. So the, I know that people, you know, listening to this show are, are they self select as being better informed about nutrition and having like a good idea around that. But this is just a simple tool that I teach people who might not necessarily have hundred percent of the basics covered, might not know the difference between carbs and fats or how many, how many calories are in each one. But basically I just teach them if you want to have more energy for throughout the day and then give yourself the ability to be as lean as you want to just simply move all your carbohydrates to post-workout and in the PM. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but I think that um, just kind of eating like almost keto during the day, proteins and fats in the morning, like proteins and vegetables for lunch gives you this metabolic flexibility to be able to process both fats and carbohydrates. 
as well as like the nutritional um, insurance policy. So that way, if you do go out for client dinner, you have a bigger dinner, you eat, drink some wine or something like that. It's not going to be the end of the world because you ate so light during the day and you, and you weren't really eating carbs and continue to replenish your glycogen stores. So you're burning them off as you're standing, talking, moving around, using carbs for like your brain energy, essentially. That way, when you do eat them in the PM, they go to refill your glycogen stores rather than going and getting stored as fat because you already have completely packed out glycogen stores from the French fries you had at lunch. Cool. And actually looking over, looking over my notes here, I did, I did forget. I wanted to cover one topic with you, which you have a lot of experience with online versus in-person coaching. Like who are they right? And who are they wrong for? Good question. So I was actually just talking to someone online and they were like, I want to hire a coach. And I was got to talking to them and I was like, man, I'm not the right coach for you. You need to go see an in-person trainer. This person had never really gone to the gym before they wanted to get stronger they wanted to learn proper exercise technique. And I don't think online coaching is the right fit for someone who's brand new. I think you need to go to the gym. You need to have an appointment. You need to have someone watching your form and walking you through those steps. It's just like swinging a baseball bat or a golf club. You go to the, you go to the golf, like you don't just like sit down and play around a golf, having never played before and expect to be good at it, you know? And that's just, and that's one swing. Think about this, like you're doing a row, a push, a pull, rotation, squat, hinge, carry. All of these are different moves and each one has their own nuance and like mm -hmm. ways of bracing and keeping things tight. So investing in your long-term health, your skeletal health, your muscle mass by actually hiring a coach walking you through it can be critical to your success. And then once you've got a year of experience and you know how to move, then let's get into the online coaching. And I think the online coaching space is amazing. I love it because it's so much more lifestyle and habit focused. Like I'm in touch with my clients every single day. We're checking in, they're checking off what I consider the seven daily investments. So if you if you want to check those seven daily investments, I mentioned them twice, uh, just grab my book. It's on Amazon, but it's also, you can get a free ebook if it's sent to you, if you just go to getnatesbook.com. But so they're checking those off on a regular basis. When they hit their workout, when they finish their workouts, they send me a quick note, hey, I did this thing. So there's a lot of accountability, a lot of touch points, which you don't get with personal training, even if you're going three times per week. You get someone who's there, they're in your face, let's go, tweak this, change this, awesome job, high five, see you later, right? How often are they checking in at 11 o'clock at night? How often are they looking at what you ate in terms of like all day long and looking at your macros? Some do, but most don't. And I think that the the online coaching experience is a much more holistic lifestyle experience that can help you dial in the habits and the environment you need to succeed over time. Whereas personal training is great for making sure that you show up, you have good form, you don't get injured and you execute pr properly with the proper movements. Yeah. And I feel like one side, uh, one down, well, one downside to the customer's perspective of in-person training is oftentimes you can get in habits of like um, codependency, mm -hmm. you know, for accountability. And inevitably that's just not going to work out for the client long-term if they're not able to do it themselves long-term, if they don't become their own mechanic, basically, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Seen that a lot of times or people who have the same, the same like personal trainer for eight, 10 years. And you see them and they come into the gym and the personal trainer doesn't have a clipboard and they don't track their weights and they go in and they do bench press 135 for three sets of 10, just like they did last week and last year and the year mm -hmm. before that. And there's never any progress because, yeah. you know, I think there's gonna be too much familiarity too. I think it's a certain point you should like cut it off, do your own thing for a couple of months and then, then figure out what you need next. Where is there, is there a checklist of traits that a person should look for, for a good in-person trainer? I, you need, you got to watch them with their other clients. That's I think the number one thing, 
obviously what, like what we talked about earlier applies if they're always saying you need to stop eating carbs completely for the rest of your life that's the only way to do it no more fruits ever like okay that's probably a red flag if they're way out of shape that's a red flag but like watch them train someone else like i got all my clients and in, in big gyms from people seeing me train because i never had my phone i was always zoned in on the client i would even track our like so i'd have some clients who would wear the heart rate monitors and i would see our heart rates climb at the same times during peak sets so like we would just be dialed in together and i'd be in it with them and i th- and people can see that and feel that but if you're looking at if, if someone is is like all right susan three more Nate is on his phone. Yeah. They don't have the video. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He's basically indicating that a lot of trainers are on their cell phone instead of paying attention to their client, which is pretty common to see. Yeah. Or like just zoned out looking around, like, like I saw, I saw a trainer at the gym that I go to. He's like, just like looking down at his shoes and like kicking, like kind of like just like kicking his feet while the client's doing really the shitty lunges next to him. I was like, bro, wake up. You're getting paid 65, 75 bucks an hour to stand there. At least pay attention. At least look mm-hmm. like you're interested. Mm-hmm. You no, know, because you're on public display. Every single time you you train someone in a big box gym, everyone can see you. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing if you if you like. And I think that like, yeah, the amount people get uh, trainers get paid compared to like how many of them are actually all all in all engaged. And I get it. It's hard to be on for ten hours a day, but you know, like, got to got to figure that out. You got to push yourself. Yeah, I also find it very strange that. Although it ha- it's a very common practice in pretty much all other health fields, but it just eluded the, the fitness field in the sense that no one even keeps records of anything. You just show up and like the trainer's like, what do you want to train today? Like you said, you know, like, oh, we'll bench 135 for 10 today, tomorrow, whatever, 10 years from now. Yeah. Or like I did back today. So all my clients are doing back today. That's not how you do it. Yeah. There's, there's that aspect, but it's just, there's no re- record keeping or giving program design of any sort. Uh, which I just found like super odd that the customers wouldn't even um, question that, you know? Right. I think having a clipboard makes you like stand out among trainers. Yeah. Just have the clipboard, but no paper on it. Just that alone is already a huge step in the right direction. Just kidding, obviously. But I use, so I use an app to track all my clients' workouts. So I write their workout, write all their programming, and then I can watch their sets and reps increase. So if Three weeks goes by and they're still using the same 45 pound dumbbell. I'll, I'm hitting them up like, what's up? Why are you not improving? Are you sick? Is something going on? Is your shoulder messed up? And they're like, oh, I just thought I was going to do like this. I'm like, oh, so you didn't want to get any better? Like, we got we to gotta see those improvements. You got to push that 50. Let's go. Like, And so kind of giving people those, like, those pieces and helping them understand, here's what it looks like to improve. Here's what progressive overload looks like. Here's how you can actually make this a priority in your life and get the results that you're looking for. Like that's incredibly important. Yeah. The progressive overload part is key because you could actually have extremely tough workouts all the time without progressive overload and you'll plateau and won't see any results at all. Although yeah, the workouts I mean, themselves are freaking exhausting, you know, those hit workouts, right? Like you go to boot camps, you go to orange theory fit and you're like, why don't, why don't I ever get any better or stronger? I'm sweating all the time. I'm always sore. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to be sore, hire a seventh grader to have to watch you do lunges around a track for a mile. That's a great way to be stupid sore. Yeah. But you know, like if you want to get better, you don't need to be sweating and sore all the time. You just need to see small improvements, one rep at a time, one, uh, like one pound at a time. You got to get 1% better. That's the, that's the motto. Yeah. Those are my core values on the back of my shirt, by the way. Cool. I, I only read, I only can see half of it. It says something inevitable. Yeah. 
be inevitable. Be inevitable. Too fast. English is a second language for me, man. I can't read English that fast, you know? (laughs) Be inevitable. Uh Empty the tank and 1% better. Empty the tank just means give it all, give it everything, give it all you got. Don't don't try to hold back. It's the thing that again, people are like, well, I I, I don't want to get too burned out for the next exercise. Why not? Let the next exercise deal with itself. You need to go all out right here. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again for being on the thanks again for being on the show, Nate. Sorry for postponing it for like a year. I know we planned this like a year ago, uh, but my my schedule didn't work out too well, and I kind of missed missed our appointment. So thanks for thanks for coming down. It's great to see you. I mean, if there's anything else you'd love to cover, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, man, this has been a ton of fun. I really appreciate you, uh, you having me on. This was great. And then, you know, let's do one again in like a year or two. Okay, sounds good, man. So thanks, thanks everyone for joining in as well. Uh, I'll post all of Nate's info in the description if you guys want to get in touch with them. Just kind of click on any of those links. And um, yeah, let's stay in touch for sure. And I'll say, for- I'll say one more thing though. How about this? Like, okay, Eugene, you run this show and you don't make any money on it, right? You primarily do this so that you can get good information into the hands of the people who are listening to you and trust you. So if you're listening to this right now, one thing that you can do to support Eugene is share this show with someone who needs to hear it. Share one piece or one of the things of that he posts on Instagram, but it's not going to cost you anything. And Eugene does this for free because he loves it and he loves to disseminate that high quality information. So one thing that we can do to help him out in order to like put out that better quality information and overcome some of these trainers who are just doing things that are fancy is just show him a little bit of love, leave a review, just go click that five-star icon on the show on iTunes or just like show him some love on social media, recommend his stuff, his group to other people, his book, send that to your loved ones. You know, it's not expensive at all, but do something that you could do like to support Eugene in this because he does not, he's not doing this to make a bajillion dollars. He's doing it because he loves it. Yeah. And then as another side note to you, Nate, um, you know, when I hired you and Dave for business coaching, I just want to say that it was really refreshing how attentive and involved in the success you were with the clients, which is really tough to find, you know? And a lot of times with healthcare professionals, especially I find like, I don't care about how much, you know, until I know about how much you care is the foundation, you know? And uh, so I want to thank you for always like being there if I had questions and just the response time was always really fast too. And I appreciate that because that is really rare and it's kind of, you can't put that on a resume quite well, you know, uh, but it's, it's so important you know, it's so important to have that caring heart and really want your clients to succeed. So, uh, so thank you for that. Thanks brother. I appreciate it. All right, guys, have a good one, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you've ever had trouble losing weight, or you've lost weight, but still didn't have the ideal body or health you're aiming for, please feel free to reach out anytime and book an assessment. Eugene will work with you to cover your goals in detail, see what's holding you back, and go from there. In the meantime, feel free to check out the countless testimonials on Eugene's website in the link below. In the testimonial section you'll notice everyone has various backgrounds, are of all different ages, and all have had different challenges in their life, but they all have one thing in common. They were all able to find their health and achieve their ideal body. You're also welcome to add yourself to the Facebook group in the link below. There you'll have access to the live videos that Eugene does weekly on Sundays and other helpful content. Thank you again for tuning in.